You're listening to the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a vintage-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host, Aaron Mack, to other co-host. You may have seen walking out of Barbell on 459 with a big old smile on his face. You may have seen him most recently at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend. He is Scott Bowie. Hello, Aaron. How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Um, man, as anybody can tell, if you're watching, I'm a little red. As always, anytime I spend time out in the sun. Um, Still working on the whole sunscreen thing. I used it. I used did sun, you? sunscreen, yeah. I did. What SPF? Uh, 50. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a kid's blend, so maybe it's different. I don't know. <laughs> kid's blend. That's <laughs> what it says on the can. Um, no, I had a good time. Uh, the weather could have either been rainy or sweltering hot and it chose sweltering hot, which is fine. I mean, yeah. it's been cold here, so that's good. Um, uh, big crowd speedway had a nice crowd. I thought for the race, um, it's all in all, it's a good weekend. Yeah, very good weekend. Um, we got to cheer on our good friend of the show, Mr. Jagger Jones. Yeah, and Stingray Rob. Stingray Rob. Can't forget and, about Stingray. Uh, Simon Paginot and Will Power and anybody else we've interviewed. Um, but now uh, we were guests of Cape Motorsports, uh, Jagger Jones, and um, thank them for that. And it was a good weekend. I mean, unfortunately, the Results weren't so great, um, but it wasn't for the lack of trying. Team uh, working hard. You know, it's their first year in Indy Lights, uh, at least underneath all the new formats and that sort of thing. I think they've been mm -hmm. there before years ago, or Indy Next, I should say. So, uh, I mean, it's a hell of a learning curve for everybody involved. And um, But, you know, they... Got a 14th out of it. He was challenging uh, for spots. Uh, if they could have had a yellow, who knows? He may have ran right there with his teammate in Nam. Absolutely. Uh, we, we just don't know. But other than that, it was a good weekend. Absolutely. And um, IndyCar race, Alex Palou wins. Um, you know, it, it was you know it was an interesting race. Um, not the most, and I don't know many of the road course races really are there, but not the most exciting race. Um, but I know Graham was trying some strategy because we were up there um, in the one of the suites by the, I guess, the first turn of the, yeah, first turn of the road course. And you were saying like, oh, Graham is breaking a lot sooner than all the other drivers. And he definitely was. I mean, he's definitely conserving fuel. Yeah, he was uh, uh, lifting. I mean, so, you know, I mean, he was lifting a Maybe I mean, lifting, it was, I mean, it was right, before right. the end of pit wall, mm -hmm. which would be pin entrance uh, on the oval. And he was lifting and coasting all the way to the corner. He did get pushed a little bit by McLaughlin, uh, and he did pick it up a little. But as soon as he got got that gap again, he started uh, coasting again, just trying to save fuel. Um, I. You know, a couple of cars ran out right after the checker. Rosenquist was one. I forget the other. Um, and so they were all just trying to make it to the end. Uh, Graham, 
had a rough start to the race, but you know, he ran top 10, uh, all three cars, I think qualified top 10, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, with Lungard obviously on the pole. Um, so it looks like things are turning around for Ray Hall Letterman, uh, which is good. The sport needs Ray Hall Letterman to be absolutely contending team. And it looks like they're starting to turn that corner. Um, and so I don't know. It, it's, um, it, it, it was, it was an interesting sneak peek of what, what, uh, the 500 is going to look like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that's what, in like two, two, two weeks, three. Yeah. Two weeks, two weeks. That's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, I agree. But besides IndyCar, we have the, um, there's NASCAR. I didn't watch NASCAR race, but there Darlington, um, raceway, William Byron won. Yeah, I didn't really watch too much. I, I I hit some of the highlights on YouTube. Uh, Ross Chastain, again, drawing the ire of many people. And enough today for Rick Hendrick to be in a press conference with Jeff Gordon. Uh, and Rick Hendrick's basically saying, you're not going to tear up my race cars. We're going to start, we'll just start crashing cars. Basically, you know, tearing up equipment. Um you know, he's he's really mad, I think, that his cars are getting tore up so much. And not only his cars, but Ross's. A lot of people feel like he's running way over his head, I believe. That's my words, not anybody that I've seen say that. Um, you know, I don't watch enough to really have an opinion, but I believe they got together, the you know, in the Xfinity race, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be mistaken about that, but, um, it's, it's definitely something that has been noticed in the sport. And I think, uh, teams are getting ready to start trying to take care of it themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get Absolutely. interesting. I mean, I'm in all the years I've watched NASCAR, I've never seen Rick Hendry be a part of a press conference where basically he's saying, Hey, you know, we'll just start handling it ourselves essentially. <laughs> right. You know, so. Um, before we get anything else, I mean, is there any other racing news you think we should cover? Um, not a ton. I, I, you know, honestly, I didn't pay attention to a lot this weekend, other than where we're at. Right. Absolutely. Me either. Um. So, uh, I would. I was getting up about six in the morning, and I would be in bed by nine o'clock, and I didn't do much research. In uh, in the hours, the few hours I was awake, not at the racetrack. So, absolutely, a lot of walking and um, yeah. tiring when it's that hot. Yes, especially for someone like me, someone like you, um, <laughs> and especially on Thursday because I know you had to walk. Um, yeah, I, I am not going to get into it here. I was not very happy with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Thursday. Uh, they did. <laughs> The ticket office was definitely informed of my opinion mm -hmm. before I left. That being said, the ticket office people were very kind. Mm -hmm. And, and oh, yeah. I know it, it wasn't their issue. No. Um, but I had to report someone there in the main office. Um, and that's who you have to talk to. Um, I think um, there's some things that they, there are some things that have to be cleaned up there. Um, absolutely. Because it's not just me. It has issues. 
I've had and issues. I, I had one. <laughs> I've had issues. I, I had one issue in three days, so I'm not making yeah. it sound like it was this horrible problem. But it, you know, I can see where it would be for other people. Absolutely. I mean, so. Oh yeah. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about it. Um, I was not happy. <laughs> Doug's lucky he did not cross my path at any point because I, <laughs> he would have got an earful. Um. But that being said, I, I had an amazing time at Speedway, as I always do. Um, man, you know, you and I were talking a little bit. Uh, I mean, you look at all of the equipment, the people, the haulers, the hospitality areas. Man, it is unbelievable uh, what it takes to put that circus on. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's going from town to town. I mean, it's, it's bigger cause it's here in Indy. You're going to be here for three weeks. Um, so it's a little scaled down when they go to Alabama or sure. Detroit or wherever, but it's still, man, that's a hell of a circus. Oh, absolutely. It really is. Um, so first off, so the, so we're releasing today, um, was our last live show at McGilvery's. Um, with good friend of the show, Stingray Rob. Um, and I, I really can't say enough great things about Stingray. He's really, um, I agree, the one of the most down to earth drivers. Um, and you know, I, I will personally, I will always be in debt to Stingray just how, you know, great he's he's been with us and how he's always willing to donate his time. And pretty much anything we ask him to do, he's always done it. So, you know, they, I mean, he's, can't thank him a, enough. He's just a, a a top quality human being, uh, human being. Uh, I think he generally cares about others mm -hmm. outside of himself. Uh, and I'm not saying other drivers don't, I, I'm, this is my experience with this one person. And, um, it's, you know, as we've talked about, and we, and we touch on it in the show, uh, his family and faith mean everything to him. Um, above all else, and um just just a good dude always has a smile on his face yeah i felt terrible how his race ended yesterday yeah. with his teammate um that's that's auto racing i mean that's going to happen yeah. um you show me a racer that hasn't happened to and i'll show you somebody that's never run hard you know mm -hmm. so um other than that it, it, it uh yeah I, I i'll be honest with you we've had some amazing guests at our live shows uh stingray is probably my favorite show just because yeah of who he is and um great and personality takes, and uh um, and that takes nothing away from any of the other shows we've had but i just i i so enjoyed it and the crowd really enjoyed it i mean people lined up to get his autographs people were taking photos and um you know stopped to talk to him and that really doesn't happen at our other shows, like no. our other live shows. Uh, so well, it did. It did. Well, it definitely did for Al Junior and right. Scott Goodyear. But yeah, right. not exactly. So, all that being said, uh, I I sure hope everybody enjoys it because I know I did. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just you know we i uh, sorry this past week some people if you've um follow us on youtube or subscribe to youtube if you don't 
please make sure you subscribe. Also, like and subscribe. Um, subscribe on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts can be found. But um, enough of the plug. If you follow or subscribe to us on YouTube, um, you'll see that we release the um, Stingray Rob go-kart video fast times. Um, and, you know, that deal, you know, I talk about it a little bit in the live show, but we had an issue, there was an issue with the track and we were getting, we got our helmets on, we we're getting ready to go. And um, because of safety issues and issues with the track would have been fair. Um, we we kind of do it and Stingray had to come back and he, I mean, he came back like a week later um, and he wouldn't have had to do that. I mean, there's so many drivers who'd probably been like, I'm done or just, you know, whatever. Right. And he's just, just like, I, I can't say enough good things about Stingray. He's just, um, just class act and he's got an immense amount of talent. Um, and hopefully, you know, he will, um, you know, get some good opportunities here and, um, get some good results, but you know, it's a learning, any car's a learning curve, right? So you're not going to just jump in. I mean, all you look at the greats today. I mean, I don't think any of them jumped in. Um, not really. I mean, Alexander Rossi was never on anyone's radar before he won the 500. Like, I mean, right. I don't, I don't even know what he finished, but he wasn't doing anything great at all. And he just surprised. I mean, so many people were like, who's Alexander Rossi when he right. won the 500. So, um, but you know, Stingray's got a, you know, I will say, so I've been through a couple of IndyCar autograph sessions, a barber. Um, and I mean, IndyCar too, he just, he, interacts with every single fan that comes through makes eye contact which is huge um the thing i've noticed recently and it's a little disappointing with some of the indycar drivers is they don't they're, they're on their phones during the autograph sessions they don't even look up um i've seen cases where people are sitting there with pictures for them to sign and they're standing there for like 30 seconds um and the driver's not even paying attention to them right um and you know it's a little disappointing you see them more and more with indycar drivers um and i've yeah i've yeah it's, it's it's a little disappointing but like stingray he's always interacting with people always talking to everyone um there there was actually a group of people in front of, of me in line at um barber and they were just so excited to meet stingray rob and they were going to get their picture taken with them and they were talking about what they were going to say to him and it was just really cool to see well you know one thing i noticed over there saturday was lasting ray rob t-shirts yeah merch um and his fans are fans Absolutely. I mean, I mean, those people really, I mean, they are Stingray fans, mm -hmm. um, well, which is great. I mean, you got to have that. Well, the thing with Stingray, Rob, is, and I'm not taking away from any other driver, but, you know, he obviously he's an American. He grew up watching IndyCar. Um, you know, he kind of told a story about like Elio, like he was what well, Elio was racing before he was even born. Like right. an IndyCar, but you know, he's, he's just a, a big IndyCar fan and he always has been. And just, you know, he's like fulfilling his dreams. And it kind of reminds me in a way of like Robbie McGee, because Robbie McGee was like a guy who never thought he would have an opportunity um, because he was just a huge IndyCar fan. And he's just, he got to race in the 500 and it's just surreal to him. And I, I just, I'm so happy for Stingray that he gets to, you know, fulfill his dream this month. And um, yeah, I mean, Definitely the best luck to him. And I think, um, you know, Delcoing cars are usually pretty quick at Indy. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, if the cards fall right, yeah. He, he could easily be rookie of the race. Oh, I mean, easily. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, the speedway, it, it, the speedway isn't like any other place. No. Um, 
So, I mean, there's a damn good chance he could be rookie of the race at minimum. Absolutely. But, you know, like I said, um, I think everyone will enjoy, enjoy this, um, the interview we did with him at McGilvery's and, um, yeah, I, I sure did. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I really enjoyed it. Hey, hey, give some shout outs to, uh, some of your friends that were there in the garage area when we were standing there talking. Absolutely. Um, the garage area. Oh, my dad. Yeah. Like your dad and, and, and all your buddies that were standing there. Oh yeah. So, um, our buddy, Ed, my dad, Ed actually got to raise go-karts against yep. Jimmy kite. And then I'm trying to remember who was there, Jim. They all listen. I know Ed, Ed says he listens to the podcast on his way to work. So shout out yep. to Ed. We love Ed on the race for race for podcast. And, um, my dad as well. If he's listening. Right. Yeah. Uh, the guy with the long beard, um, uh, I'm terrible with names. I'm so sorry. Uh, younger guy has kind of the longer beard. He's been to one of our live shows. John Roberts. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, um, so uh, I think yeah. Brian, Brian Holgrave as well comes to some of our McGilvery shows, but yeah, as far as the rest of the month, um, I don't think we'll have a McGilvery show where I know we're working on at least one or two go-kart videos. Some they'll be releasing sometime. And then, um, I got to give a shout out to the main memorabilia show that's um, going to be held in Plainfield. And I can tell you, I'll, I'll keep talking here, but I'll, I'll pull up here in a second exactly where it's going to be. But we're a sponsor. I think we may be set up there at some point doing the podcast. I don't know exactly when I was trying to finalize a couple of things. Um, we cert- we definitely won't be there every single day or a lot, but we may try to do something there a little bit to help support them. Um, I helped them get a couple, at least one or two guests lined up um, for their autograph session. So I think they'll be releasing that soon. But it is the uh, memorabilia show Indy 500 weekends, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at the Embassy Suites Event Center uh, in Plainfield, Indiana. 170 plus vendor tables, driver autograph sessions, live podcasts, and hundreds of giveaways and a silent auction. Um, so like I said, it's May 25th through the 27th at Embassy Suites in Plainfield, Indiana. If you look up Indy Memorabilia on Facebook, it is under that. Um, other sponsors, obviously, McGilvery's, um, Fast Times Indoor Karting. Like I said, just released Stingray Rob um, last week. The next one we'll be releasing will be um, Cody Swanson. So working on that edit now, um, which was great as well. And your, um, yeah, that would have been the first one. Your your nephew, um, Chris, made mm-hmm. an appearance in that one. So um, glad to have him in that one. And um, yeah, and last but not least, man, it was hot this weekend. It, it was got, It got in the 80s. And ever since I called... The good folks are good guys. I've had zero issues. Knock on wood, but I, I'm not going to knock on wood because I know if I do have an issue, I can get them out here immediately and they will make it right. Absolutely, they will. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy, right? Because we always talk, you always talk about good guys. And I was always like, yeah, call good guys. But I, I, I took your word. Like, I believed you. But now I have actually experienced it. I have experienced the benefits of calling the good folks, the good guys. Um, and... Yeah, couldn't be happier. And like I said, if I, if, I knew, if I have a problem, I know I can get a hold of them easily and quickly and then come out and resolve my issue. So, yeah, it, it uh, we talked about it a little bit before, and, and you've made the comment before is like, 
you were joking around like, man, you you say something and people do it. It's not so much that. It's just that I've always, when I can, I try to surround, excuse me, I try to surround myself with good people. Yeah. And uh, people that care. And they care. Absolutely. They're not just a nameless, faceless business that's going to try to upsell and, and all that. I mean, they, they really do try to, the fit the needs of the customer and um man it's just in, it's it's just a rare quality today i mean i feel and um yeah. and i'm thankful that i have them to do work for me when i need it and and but it's rare that i need it because they do such good work they don't i don't need them to do anything you know if that makes sense absolutely um but yeah no definitely check out good guys um if you have any AC issues and um, you will not be disappointed. I promise you that. But other than that, like I said, please like, and subscribe, check us out on Apple podcast, Spotify. And um, yeah, I think everyone will enjoy stingray Rob. I wanted it. Um, we were actually going to release this in a couple weeks, but I'm, I thought that we should probably release this now um, because he, you know, he really talks about kind of his feelings going into the Indy 500 um, right. and just, you know, his thoughts about it and um, just, you know, his excitement um, he's really like a kid in the candy store, just being able to experience the full month of parade. We've talked about the parade a little bit, if I remember correctly. Right. And um, he talked about going to, I think he went to a thrift store and he bought like an old Elio shirt or something. Yeah, well. he did. So I, th I thought it was appropriate that we release this before the 500, um, since he's kind of talking, you know, so people can listen to his thoughts before he actually races in the 500 and qualifies for it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think everyone will enjoy it. And yeah, well, I think this, so this was recorded the week, I believe, after rookie orientation. Rookie Correct. orientation, and then um, April it was before 20th. Barber, yeah. but it was after he had run the speedway yep. uh, and gotten laps. So it's really fresh on his mind. He's really good at describing feelings and yeah. and um, the dynamics of what it's like to drive a car. And it is audio only. You know, I had someone. I forget who it was, but someone was like, what was listening to like one, one of them of McGilvery's and they were like, there's no video. And I'm like, I thought my, you know, something was wrong with my computer. It's like, no, <laughs> there's no video. It's just pictures. It, it kind of simplifies it to an extent, makes it easier. A lot more moving parts when you have video for live show like that. And, um, I like to kind of keep it somewhat exclusive for people who come to the show. Right. Um, but you can still listen to it because I know not everyone can come to come to the show. Maybe in a different state, may not be able to come for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone that came, and um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys. I agree. Take care, everybody. This is a Race to Racer podcast presented by Race Nine Two live in McGilvery's Pub and Eatery. I'm your co-host Darren Mack. To other co-host, you may have seen walking out of Barber Lounge 459 with a big old smile on his face. I'm he is Scott Bowie. Yeah. You were just there last week. Yep. Last uh, Wednesday, Thursday. What was it? It was Thursday. It was right before Fast Times. Yeah. It was before Fast Times. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for coming. We're a racing podcast, if you don't know, obviously. And we can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts can be found. Please like and subscribe. Special thanks to McGilvery's for allowing us to do this. Make sure you... Make sure you buy food, buy drinks, 
and tip well. Tip well. Also, Race 92, if you're looking for any um, racing merchandise, we do have an Allenser Jr. collection out now, officially licensed by Allenser Jr. Also, we have the Grant King Race Shops collection. Um, thanks to Top Gun Racing and Grant King Race Shops for sponsoring this. Also, Racer Collect, Patrick Patton, if you're looking for any racing memorabilia, he's your one source to go to, racercollect.com, right? Um, also, Fast Times Indoor Karting. And last but not least, the good folks at Good Guys Heating there. Yep. Yep. And they, I, I kind of got in a mess a couple weeks ago and they were able to fix my AC issue. So, yep. You can do a testimony now for them. <laughs> if you ever have AC problems, we can definitely hook you <laughs> up. Okay. That's good. But we, <laughs> so we have a very special guest today. He is driver. Of the, I'm going to make sure I get it right. Driver of the Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Rare Racing, number 51, Honda, and the NTT IndyCar Series, Stingray Rob. You nailed that, by the way. That was perfect. You did better than me on that. Well, I had to write it down because I was oh, going to okay. get it wrong. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. It's like Dale Coyne Racing with. So last time we saw you was the Fast Times in recording for one of our Pro vs. Joe's video series. And, um, yeah, when I announced you there, I, I think I just said Dale Coin Racing. I forgot the Rick Ware Racing part. It's all right. We'll include him now. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, you're the perfect guest to have now because we're getting ready to go into the biggest month of the year in Speedway, Indiana, Indy 500, and um, you will be attempting to qualify for the 500 and competing in the 500. So, I know you just passed your rookie orientation, so congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. So... Like we said, the last time we saw you was at Fast Times Indoor Karting, and um, I got a little bit of a lesson of what it's like to race against a current IndyCar driver. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the track. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can do driving lessons later. Yeah. But it was, it was better than expected, so all is well. I think me and Jacob were both within like eight-tenths of a second from you, so I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, we've done many laps, but and that was your first time there, but still. <laughs> Small details. You're not supposed to share those. I know. Keep those silent. You don't want to tell everyone that. But we, um, yeah, so we, we were just a fast times last Thursday, right, Scott? We were. We were. Anything exciting happened, Aaron? A couple of things happened. Not on track. I will say, like, as soon as Scott shows up to a situation, like, things he usually attracts like crazy things like not yes. things that he causes but just like crazy stuff happens should we all take stock of the room right now before anything exciting happens or? no uh so we we go to leave and well uh, no well there was something that happened before remember because i heard a loud noise we were sitting there i heard a loud noise and scott comes walking in he oh, had nothing to do with loud noise oh yeah there <laughs> there was a well there was a fire on the interstate but you said it so casually i'm like we just heard a loud noise. You're like, oh, yeah, there's an explosion on 465. Yeah, truck tire exploded. But uh, so we go to leave. He, he had Kyle Kaiser and um, did a did a, did a video. They talked, da-da-da-da. We go to leave, and there are police out in the parking lot with their shotguns. Oh. And they just started were, screaming at were us. Were they aiming at you? or No. Well, they may oh. have, if they'd seen me, they would have. <laughs> But uh, tell them what happened, Aaron. Well, no, we be almost like, hey, there's something going on outside. And, like we walked outside and I see like these two guys that kind of look like police officers, like 200 yards away. So it's next to the western, I think it's a western bowling alley, something like that, off yeah. 96th Street, and um, 96th and Keystone. Yeah. yeah. 
And so there was these two police officers, and they had, like, these long guns. It looked like it. And I was just like, we were just kind of looking. And all of a sudden, they just start screaming, get inside, get inside. <laughs> and um, so we went inside. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting because then all these other police started showing up. And before you know it, they were in the parking lot fast times. And then before you know it, they were behind my vehicle, using my vehicle as, like, a shield. Right. <laughs> <laughs> With the assault rifles out. So then I, so I, I'm like, hey, Kyle Kaiser just left. I'm like, I need, to, I need to text him and make sure he's okay. So I text him. I'm like, hey, man, like, did you get out okay? He's like, yeah, I got out before all the crazy stuff started happening. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when I drove out, there was this completely naked guy walking down the street <laughs> with, with pink hair walking towards Fast Times. And I'm like, don't you think you should have told me that? Like, <laughs> it would have been nice to have a heads up, right, Scott? Yeah, it'd been really nice. That uh, you know, it's one of those things. And, and we also learned, and thankfully, no one—well, someone we didn't know—was hurt. But yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, someone did get hurt. But um, nobody in our group got hurt, and the police were very responsive and uh, even checked, even yeah, went around their way and even, checked. Uh, somehow the or another, they got in the back door, even though Trey Burke said all the doors are locked. So if anybody knows who Trey Burke is, Trey runs midget sprint cars. He runs uh, uh, USF juniors. He works up at Fast Times. He swore to us the doors were locked, and then the police walked in the back door. He just froze. He's like puts his hands up. They come, in with their, they come in with their guns up, and they're like, police. And he's just like, so you see him a pit, but you got to give him a hard time about it. I actually got the inside scoop today right oh, before oh, I came he talked here. About it? Yeah, Trey, Trey mentioned it, and he said that uh, he got – a gun aimed at him by the cops because they thought that maybe he was the guy with the pink hair, but uh, unfortunately he had clothes on, so he didn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably it. But fortunately, I know Kyle was kind of nervous about the situation because he read that, you know, right before that, he was like, this guy was shooting at random cars, but fortunately he had got rid of the weapon, and um, yeah. I think one person was was injured, but no one passed away or critically right. injured, so fortunately. Um but yeah, so I think um, I think from now on, like we're gonna have to put like a disclaimer in the beginning of the video, saying like no professional race car driver got <laughs> injured in the making of this video. Right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so you know, tell a little bit about your season. So obviously, first year in IndyCar, um, and when we did the Fast Times deal with you, it was right after St. Pete, and um, St. Pete was kind of a. I'm going to say crash course, but it I was, mean, there was a lot totally. of stuff happening. <laughs> I mean, you got to experience pretty much everything there is to experience in IndyCar race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lap one there was pretty exciting. I think that um, starting towards the back of the field, we got a late jump and the field got spread out before we got down to turn one. And so I couldn't really see what was happening ahead of me, but uh, obviously go around turn three and there's a stack of cars lined up across the racetrack. So I woed it down, got it sideways and around to the right side, um, but I got hit from behind by uh, another pink car and um, then continued to see flying cars through the air over my head land next to me. So luckily I was able to continue. Uh, I limped the car back to pit lane after the AMR safety crew got me fired back up, made some repairs, uh, swapped out the, the front nose cone that was missing, uh, put new front tires and rear tires on, and then went back out and just tried to get on the lead lap again. Um, and then we got a drive-through penalty for fueling under caution. Uh, I guess this all this is all new to me. Pit stops are all new. <laughs> right. So I'm just doing what the teams tell me. They say pit stop, I do pit stop. They say drive-through penalty, I want to do a drive-through penalty. Um, so this is after I've seen flying cars 
And then I continued on in the race, saw another flying car with Kyle Kirkwood going through the air over the top of uh, Jack Harvey. And then I watched Daly and Kyle Kirkwood also get together in the wall in turn nine. And then uh, we ended up getting our lead lap back. So that was pretty exciting. And then had a tire issue later on in the race and then finished a few laps down. But still finished 16th, which for first race as an IndyCar driver, I was pretty happy. Um, thank you. Thank you. One thing I, I did say to my engineers after the race that I asked them, I said, hey, are all IndyCar races like this? <laughs> because I'm kind of rethinking my job here. I don't know if this is really what I want to do. Flying cars and right. three hours in a hot Florida sun is it's crazy. But it was fun. It was a good time. What was the uh, what was the emotions like before the start of the race? I mean, was it like any other race to you? Um, once you strapped in, it was just like everything else, or 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 was it a little little more surreal till the green? I'll tell you what. I'm still trying to figure out if this is real or not. Yeah. It's every day I get up and I'm like, okay, I'm here. I look down, I see the Dale Coyne and Rick Ware logo, and I'm like, okay, I'm an IndyCar driver. Is this is that still real? Yeah, it's still real. <laughs> um, I was actually having a conversation the other day with someone, and we were talking about the Indy Next series and how they don't do the Freedom 100 anymore. And I said, yeah, we, we just don't do the Freedom 100 anymore. And I was like, wait, we, we, I'm not an Indy Lights driver anymore. I'm an IndyCar driver now. So I think going into that race, the emotions were kind of all over the place. It was not so much nerves as much as it was excitement and anticipation for what was coming. But I was actually pretty calm because I had no clue of what to expect. I'm like, yeah, it's IndyCar racing. I wonder what this is going to be like. So the, the curiosity got the better of me. And uh, I found out what it was like, lap one, turn three. <laughs> so I usually, I usually ask people, <clears throat> usually like former drivers, like when you went into IndyCar, like what was your like welcome to the big leagues moment? But I would guess it was probably, what you say, turn three? Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you see flying cars going through there, that's usually a good welcome sign. Absolutely. You didn't get to experience how much in Indy Lights or Indy Pro? No. Oh, actually, in Indy Pro, I did. Yeah. So back in Toronto in 2018, um, we had a crash in turn one, and then going down the back straightaway there, if anyone knows the layout at Toronto, it's a, a tight right-hand hairpin at the end of a long straightaway. And uh, the yellow flag was thrown somewhere down that back straightaway, and the cars behind us didn't see that yellow flag, and they were still chopping it up, racing each other. And one of them got pinched into the wall. Well, when he got pinched into the wall, he went in the air a little bit, and when he came down on the ground, all four corners of the car came off. So he was just a ski on the asphalt doing 140 miles an hour. And he hit the back of my car, and I was like a yellow jumping truck or something for him. And he went straight over the back of me, did a barrel roll through the air, and landed on the roll hoop and skidded to a stop in the barrier. He probably went 100 feet in the air. So, um, yeah, that happened in Indy Pro 2018. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want to look the video up on YouTube or whatever else, it's there. Um, but he, he walked away. He raced the next day in a different car, mind <laughs> it, but he was racing. Right. You know, um, so, you know, you, you, you're an IndyCar driver. You're, <laughs> you've uh, you got the shirts, you pinched yourself and all that. And then, you know, the reality starts, you know, St. Pete, Texas, Long Beach, testing at Speedway. Um, what is that like? I mean, because – you got to, at some point, it has to become um, business mode, right? I mean, you know, it's all new and exciting the first time around, um, but it has to become, you know, at some point, you have to start feeling like, hey, you know, this is great, but, you know, we got to get things done. 
I felt that in preseason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like, as new and exciting as this is, the racer in me wants to win. Sure. And yeah. so until I see that, I'm not going to be satisfied. Right. And so I, that started at the Thermal Club test way back in February. There was things that I saw in myself that I didn't like that I wanted to approve on. And so we've been doing that the whole time. You know, that hasn't stopped. But I get to enjoy it on the side as well. Right. It's kind of a, a catch-22 deal where I can enjoy what I'm doing even while I'm not quite as good as I'd like to be at it yet. What were those uh, first laps at the Speedway like? With 40-mile-an-hour winds, they were exciting. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, though. The, the rookie orientation, it's a bit interesting because we, we do 15 laps from 205 miles an hour to 210 miles an hour in that range. And then once you check that box, you do from 210 to 215. And then once you do that, you do 215 and above. Well, these cars are not meant to go 205 miles an hour. Right. They're meant to go 220 miles an hour. So to go 205, we're lifting on the straightaways and then flat through the turns. So you're actually doing the same speeds through the turns. Right. It's just slower down the straightaway. So it was interesting. And then once we got to 215, it was one lap. And I put the foot to the floor and easy flat. So it's pretty impressive. These cars at those speeds create so much downforce, even with just the, the super speedway uh, aero package, because we run a different road course and super speedway aero package. So um, had we had that road course package on, we'd probably be 20 miles an hour slower just from the drag. Sure. Did you, uh, talking about the winds, did you have a moment? I had a couple. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know what they say, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Well, I, I know now. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a, an exciting moment in the exit of turn two. Um, the, the turn one entrance was fine. We had a headwind down the, the front straightaway. And so you turn into turn one, there's a lot of grip on the car. And then as you get through the short chute, the stadium clears and it opens up so that wind can blow on the car. Well, there was a tailwind going down the back straightaway. So what that meant was is that in the middle of turn two, the wind would hit the back of the car and I'd get lift or at least some sort of uh, same effect with less downforce on the car. So being the young dumb I am, I said, I'm feeling this, but I'm going to ignore it. So <laughs> I kept my foot in it after a few laps to see if the car would stick. Well, there's a bump on the exit of turn two as well that catches a lot of drivers out. And I hit that bump and it kind of bucked the car. So it lifted the front first and then the rear. And I was understeering at this point because the wind was pushing me to the wall. Well, when you have a ton of wheel in it and the car bucks like that, it usually gets a catch. So I went from this to this in a matter of half a second. And I was aiming probably, I don't know, 15 degrees the other direction than what I was intending to be. So, uh, yeah, I didn't like that very much, but learned my <laughs> lesson. So, I mean, obviously in um, Indy Next, you guys do ovals. I mean, does any of that experience in Indy Next really help prepare you no. for a track like <laughs> Texas or no? Mm -mm, no. The, you add 60 miles an hour to a car yeah. on a racetrack, the world changes. Your eyesight changes. What the cars are doing changes. The closing rates change. Um, and that was the thing I had to adjust to the most was because at, at Indy Lights level, we're doing Iowa and Gateway as our two ovals. Mm -hmm. And those are short courses. They're, they're slow. And I shouldn't say slow, relatively slow compared to an Indy car around Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, but, you know, Iowa, it was a, a great racetrack. You can run two lanes wide or whatever. But you go to Gateway, and you're actually braking sometimes into turn one. And so that, that speed difference is a lot. And the cars are not accordion, accordion, 
as much, the accordion right. effect is what we call it. As a car enters the turn for a road course or a, a corner that you're braking at, it'll close up that gap. And then as they exit the corner, it'll open up. And that's just the, the natural progression of how the time works relative to the speed in the cars. Um, but on an oval, you know, we're, we're doing, I think my dad did the math. And he's back here. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it was like 320 feet per second around Texas Motor Speedway. And so wow. that closing rate is super high. So say a car lifts and they're coasting a quarter of a second before I realize it, mm -hmm. I'm going to be in the back of them if I'm within that half a second time. I mean, that's and a football field second. Yeah, yeah. So you, those those distances go by fast. Oh, and yeah. so for a super speedway, you have to adjust your, your timing of everything, what you're looking for, what you're looking at, and you're feeling the nuances of what the car is doing because little things become big things on an oval. At 240 miles an hour, a small understeer could be the difference of in the wall or off the apex five feet. You know, there's there's just so much happening all the time that could could end up being a big deal if you don't catch it soon. Absolutely. I saw where you were, uh, I was reading a little article and you were talking about when you went and tested at Texas. Uh, and you were talking about getting into turn one, trying to find your spots on the track. Um, was that something that really, I mean, took you by surprise how hard it was to maybe find your entrance? Getting to one, not only, not only is it speed, but you kind of got that double kink there. And um, obviously, I mean, the cars are so much different. But is that something that took you a little bit to get used to, plus all the Gs that you generated at that place? Yeah, it was. And the, part of the deal is because we're going so fast, we have to look so far down the road. And so at a track like Texas, I'm only looking as far as the wall will let me see. So you have the inside wall that it will – bump up to the, the edge of the pit lane there as you're coming onto the racetrack. But from the entrance of turn one, you can't see turn two or vice versa. You know, you can't see the exit of the turn. And so I'm, I'm looking 500 feet ahead, but it's just not far enough because two seconds later, I'm going to be at that point. Right. And so you have to get to a point in the car where you know where those markers are on the track. So, okay, if I turn in here at this rate with my hands, I'm going to end up there or vice versa. So there's going to be, it's trial and error. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, what do they say, ready, ready, aim, fire. It's ready, fire, aim. So <laughs> that's how you drive an Indy car on a super speedway. <laughs> the, um, so, you know, talk a little bit about driving the, um, I guess the, so hold on a second. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. I'll remember here in a second. You know. And, uh, you know, now I have to create a train of thought. But, um, you, you know, I, I just think it's so interesting um, to hear your viewpoint of it. Because, I mean, there are drivers in here, people who've raced places like Winchester, Salem, big, fast places around here in sprint cars and midgets, which is, it's somewhat similar. But it's, it's really interesting to get, a, um, to get an idea of what you're really going through. And, I mean, as we discussed, like the, the Gs, what is something like Texas? I mean, because it's sustained G's. It's not yeah. just a momentary thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, at what point in the race, I mean, does it start wearing on you? Or, or does your adrenaline just take over and you don't notice it? Well, if your adrenaline's going that, that much where you don't feel it, something's wrong. Right. That means sure. that you had a bad moment and now you're recovering. <laughs> so um, that's the thing. With these races, they're, they're long races. And so you got to be able to stay calm in the heat of the moment. Otherwise, you're just going to burn yourself out by the end of the race. So, um, yeah, I, you, you do feel it. And at Texas especially because it is a high downforce, high bank track. So there's a lot of 
weight in the car, a lot of downforce in the car, a lot of g-forces in the car. And I started to feel it in my hands and my arms probably the second pit stop. When they did the, the refuel and new tires, going through three and four, I was grunting to turn the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. they're doing, I can't remember, 50 lap stints or something like that. And about lap 15, the weight of the wheel starts to lighten up as the tires go away. So for 15 laps, you're grinding it out, trying to hold on to the car. You know, and that's, that's something I was actually, that brings me to another question. You know, for the first time in your career, you're really managing tire degradation. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, because, you know, all of a sudden now there's so much strategy. You got, you know, the road courses, you got push the pass, you got tire day, you've got, you know, obviously all the tools inside the car. Um, how has that been to, to really learn and start to manage? On the ovals, it's been great. You know, I was able to get a hold of the car at Texas, and we started moving up during the race. Um, we were up to P13 from P23 mm-hmm. um, at some point there and actually led a lap. So... I was feeling good and comfortable in the car. I was feeling the tires, and we were making them last a long time. The team did a good job of getting me a balance that I could, uh, you know, adjust the tools accordingly so that if I was running in traffic, I could go one way and save the front tires. And if I was by myself, I could go the other way and save the rear tires. And so there was just a lot going on there that I felt like I was comfortable doing. Now the road courses, they're a different animal. I'm still learning those. Um, I still haven't had an experience that I've known yet. And so I'm, I'm hoping that going into Barber that, you know, it's a track I've been to. I've got my first indie car experience out of the way on a road course, or at least a street course. Um, and so it's not an all-new experience. I'll be able to get a handle on things a lot better. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed the most is the, the tire degradation effect through the alternates versus the primaries. And I think that this year, the alternates, they're, they're a little bit different of a compound than what they've had in the past, which... I know nothing. So, <laughs> so I, you're, you're kind of ahead of the game on that. Really, I guess I am. Way. I have no preconceived idea of what the car is going to do. I just ready, fire, aim, right? right. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, I, that, that's something that's caught me out. It's like I'll, I'll go from the primaries and I say, okay, I can drive it this hard for this many laps, and it's going to hold on. And then I'll switch to the alternates, and it's half of the lifetime. And so that catches me out towards the end of an alternate stint when we need that to carry through. We got fuel in the car but we don't have any tires left. So uh, still learning that, still learning how to utilize the tools there. But Long Beach was the first, or sorry, second time that I've run a full stint on an alternate set of tires. So there's guys out there on the field that have thousands of alternate stints. Right. So um, it's funny, actually, this is a stat that someone might laugh at, maybe not anyone here. I, I laugh at it. But um, my teammate and I are both 21 years old. And the last time that Helio won a race at Long Beach was before we were born. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, put it into perspective. Now, the now let me ask you: Have you reminded him of that? No, no, no. Here's the deal: I'm a fan of Helio, so I'm not going to put any dirt. I mean, on you his, might want to just let him know that, there. just you know, so he knows. Poke a little fun every once in a while. He right. might like it because he seems like he'll take that well. <laughs> yeah, I I actually found a Helio uh, indie shirt from 2004. Um, at a thrift store for $2, and I said, that's coming home with me. So oh, I got yeah. it. So I'll make sure that I'm wearing that when I tell him that story. <laughs> tell him you got it when you were what, like, that'd be, you'd be like, what, three or something? I think it was two. Two? Probably, yeah. Tell him you were preparing for this day. I got yep. the size I needed. <laughs> I mean, what's it like to race against people? I'm guessing, you know, you watched the D500 growing up as a kid. I've seen the old interviews where you say you want to, you know, be an IndyCar driver when you grow up. 
be able to race against the Scott Dixons, the Elio Castroneves. Um, talking about pinching yourself, I'm sure that's something you have to pinch yourself about, like just being on the track with those guys and competing in the same race. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> I'll see him on track, and I get cocky just <laughs> naturally. Um, and that's not my reaction off the track. But on the track, like we were at Texas, and Helio was the driver in front of me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll get around this guy. And then I forget, oh, yeah, he's a four-time Indy 500 winner for a reason. And, uh, well, I didn't end up getting around him, but he showed me a thing or two before I was able to do that. So um, it wasn't necessarily a pinch-me moment in the current state of affairs there. But after the race, going back and watching the race and going, hmm, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> who, uh, well, who, I, can, I, can, I can definitely confirm you race like that at fast times. Yeah, well, thank so. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different, though. I'm not Scott Dixon or Elio. Well, it all looks the same to me. I'm going around. <laughs> so, uh, have you had any uh, good battles yet? Like, like really, like something you could say, man, that was that was a heck of a yeah, battle. Yeah, Texas, Texas for sure with Helio. With Helio. I mean, we went back and forth at least a couple times. And Texas is a track where, in the past, they haven't been able to run side by side because of that PJ one mm-hmm. uh, compound on the outside line. But this year was really, really good. It's, the series did a good job of adding more downforce to the car where we could run that outside line and run side by side, run two wide, um, almost three wide. I mean, it's like two and a half wide. I tried the three wide. It didn't work. Um, and then uh, that, that just it made it fun because you could run in a crowd and make moves and lose moves. It wasn't just a whoever's fastest is going to get through. It was like, no, you have to play it out. you got to play the game of chess. Um, and that was by far the most fun I've had in a noble. That was the first time I was able to like see, okay, you got to use the arrow here and use this line here and make sure your timing's on here. And all of that played into three laps later when you're trying to make a move. I mean, you had to plan it out five laps ahead pretty much to, to get a run on a guy. You had to use picks. You had to use uh, the arrow wash from other cars to either suck up in front of them or you know pinch them down into the arrow wash so that they could lose the grip and not get the run out of the turn. So we've heard a lot of people talk about, obviously coming from the Indy Lights or Indy Next Car, like a lot of drivers who go into IndyCar say like the IndyCar, and you may have said this the first time we had you on the podcast, Indy cars are almost easier to drive because they're, I mean, they're engineered to basically do what you tell them, tell it to do. Indy Lights car, you kind of have to, I guess, drive it more or it's not as responsive. Is that right? Yeah. I'd probably go back on my statement a little bit from then. <laughs> um but yeah, my initial reaction when I went from Indy Lights to Indy Car was that the Indy Car does what you want it to. Mm-hmm. As a driver in an Indy Lights car, you're kind of handicapped by the car's capabilities and the amount of adjustability it has. And so for an Indy Car, we have open dampers. And so that means a wide range of options for what I could get the car to do. But my thing is right now, I don't really know what I want the car to do. I'm right. still learning what a fast car feels like. I know what it feels like in an Indy Lights car, and that usually was hanging it out on the edge, lots of oversteer, a pointy nose, so you can get into the apex and get the car rotated and get off the turn. Well, the Indy car doesn't drive like that. It doesn't like that. So if I wanted a fast Indy Lights car, it's not going to be a fast Indy car. So I'm, I'm progressing and getting better, and I'm learning from my teammate a lot. David's done a good job of getting the, the team with the resources that they have to, to roll off the truck with a car that's in a window. And so that's in a window for David, but it might not be in a window for me. Right. And so there's there's nuances there that I'm still learning. I'm still seeing, okay, if we do this with the dampers, this is what we're going to get out. Oh, I like that. Can we go back and do that again and do more of it? So, yeah. I don't know if it's easier to drive, but you have a lot more tools at your disposal. 
You know, you mentioned you and Malukas are the same age. He's, he, you know, obviously he has a season on you. Um, and like you said, I mean, you guys can, you can really, I mean, because you see the world kind of the same way. You mm-hmm. through your age, through your experience. Um, is that is that easier? You think to have someone your age, or would you, in your, you know, in the perfect world, would you have somebody who's been there for six years, eight years? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, the the thing with a teammate is that they're your biggest help and your biggest competition all right. at the same time. Frenemies. Yeah, frenemies. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so in, in the same way, like, I'm glad that David is in the same spot in his career roughly as I am. And we grew up go-karting together. So a lot of our knowledge and experience is based in the same sort of foundation um, as far as career-wise. And I think that that, that allows us to – understand what each other are going through and what we're seeing and what we're feeling and the 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 vocabulary that we use is also aligned in that way as well and so i think it would be beneficial to learn from a driver that's six years down the road but at the same time i think that the relating side of things may not be there right but because david has done well or done well enough and had a rookie season last year i can see what mistakes he made and i can see the areas that he struggled in and then not make those same mistakes so I'm I'm still learning for myself, but I'm also learning from what he has learned from. Yeah, I, I think I think when people look at that deal, I think a lot of people undersell uh, David personally. I mean, I, I think he's done an amazing job um, in these first year and three races. Um, you know, it's hard, as you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and you guys are um, – I think it helps. You know, maybe this goes against um, – uh, other wisdom, but I think being at Dale Coins, I think is a good thing as well. Absolutely. In terms of it's pressure, it's not Roger Penske pressure, it's not Andretti pressure. Um, it allows you to to run and grow. You know, you, you know, you you can perform. Yeah. Um, and really grow as a driver and as a person in the sport. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah. And I think that. Um, I just think for you and David, I think it's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a lot of fun, too. Like, I'll tell you guys, uh, does anyone here know who Poncho Carter is? <laughs> yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um, so at my rookie orientation at Texas, Poncho was my spotter. Well, <laughs> I convinced him and Dale to sit down in the trailer together after the test and start telling stories with each other. And that was some of the most fun I've had. Um, and I think with another team, I wouldn't have got to experience that. Right, you know, because Dale's been that guy for so long, and Poncho's been that guy for so long. Um, they're they're invested, right? They, they're passionate about what they do, and that plays into the, the team's success. So, as a driver, it's fun to see Dale's passion through the way that he acts and treats other people, and also he's he's a great guy. You know, you walk around the paddock, everyone loves to see Dale walking around, right. and so um, it's because of the quality of person that he is. You know, he he cares, and it shows. Well, I mean, he's worked as hard as anybody who's ever done it. I mean, you know, from his early days as a driver to today, it's, it's, you know, it's been great to watch. You know, you're talking about Poncho. I, I don't think there's anybody who had more talent than Poncho in his day. And I don't think there's anybody who's ever been tougher than Poncho as a driver. You know, I, yeah. it's just unfortunate, you know, he was injured. But it's amazing he was, you know, you think about it, he ran road courses you know, with, with how his legs were and, and that sort of thing, you know. 
Uh, Dale would agree with you there. Poncho's, Poncho's always way up there in my book. Yep. I, I've seen him in action now. I, I agree. So one of the big differences from Indy Next Car to IndyCar is aero screen. What has that kind of process been like for you to adapt to the aero screen? I know they have the what it, the hose or whatever it is, but we've heard a lot of drivers say it's really just pulling in warm air. Like, does that yeah. really help? Or You know, I haven't noticed a big difference physically with aero screen, and I think part of that is because of the training that I do. Yeah. You know, I, I train at Pit Fit, mm-hmm. and part of that is heat acclimation. And mm-hmm. so during the summer – which we're not in right now, obviously. It's freezing <laughs> cold outside in the morning. But um, they'll open up the garage doors, and it'll be 90 degrees and 90% humidity in the gym. Right. And they're having us do hour-and-a-half-long cardio sessions. But during the off-season, I did a lot of sauna training. So I meant sitting in the sauna post-workout for 30, 40 minutes, um, and then getting out and doing a reaction drill to try and keep my mind sharp. And so one of the things that I think is underestimated in motorsports is the physical side of things because we have to drive the car – for two and a half hours on average, two to three hours. Uh, St. Pete, for example, is almost three hours. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it from a heart rate of like 140 to 180 beats per minute in a car that's over 100 degrees in the cockpit. And so for other athletes, let's say a runner, for example, they'll train, and when they go out for a run, they like to get what they call a runner's high. And that runner's high is where they can kind of, I won't say zone out, but they're in the zone, right? They're, they're pushing through the pain. They don't even feel it anymore, and they've hit that rhythm. But it, as a race car driver, you're almost trying to avoid that mm. because when you get that runner's high, when you're at that level cardiovascular-wise, you get what I like to call brain fade. And that brain fade is when you see drivers out in the lead make mistakes. I think uh, J.R. Hildebrand was one of those drivers, you know, leading the last lap in Indy 500. He got that brain fade and tuned out for a half a second with lap traffic in front of him and hit the wall and lost the lead of the Indy 500. And so I think that there's plenty of examples to show this and as a driver, you have to train past what you're going to see in a race. You know, you have to practice for what you're never going to see. Um, right. So the, the heat acclimation of the aero screen is part of that. I think when it comes to Nashville in August, it'll be a little mm. bit hotter and a little bit worse, but I haven't had that yet. Get ready. Yeah. It's going to be rough. Yeah, it'll be hot. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's people out there who say race car drivers aren't athletes. We <laughs> all know that they definitely are. But – so, I mean, take it through, like, what's a normal day of training like for you? Like, when do you start training? Like, what do you do during the day to train, like on an off day? Yeah, so we usually train for one and a half to three hours, depending on the day and the type of training that we're doing. But a lot of times it's either cardio training, strength training, endurance training, reaction, and neck. We have to have pretty thick necks in IndyCar with the amount of G-forces that we're pulling. Um, so when it comes to a cardio day, we'll spend – it depends. It depends. There's different styles of workouts that we can do. There's what's called a threshold medley. And a threshold medley is a series of workouts where you're using 90 to 95% of your heart rate for 10 to 20 minutes. And you'll do three sets of that, and you're trying to go as fast as you can, sustaining that heart rate. And so you're essentially trying to blow up the muscles with as much blood flow as possible so that you're starving them of any sort of life at the end of the, at the, end of the threshold there. We'll also do lactic capacity intervals where you're creating that muscular endurance as well as like longer, easier cardio days where we're sustaining like a uh, 70 to 80% heart rate for an hour, hour and a half and doing reaction drills in between to stay sharp. And then on the reaction side, there's light training boards. There's a lot of things that we can do to – because your eyes are a muscle. And in the car, you have to have quick eyes. 
you have to be able to see things before they happen and anticipate what's coming and react accordingly. Um, and so we're, we're constantly moving our eyes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Even when you're driving just in qualifying or something, you're looking up, up the road at the apex and then back where you are. And you're looking past the apex and then back where you are. You're constantly doing this give and take of where you're, where you're looking at. Um, so reaction becomes a big part of it. And I actually think that's what saved me at St. Pete, staying out of that crash. Um, I, I mean, for the most part. I was able to continue, but I didn't hit the car in front of me because I had good enough reaction to back the car down and get it sideways. Um, and then on the muscular endurance training side, we'll do any sort of any other training that other athletes do, like lifting weights, squats, deadlift, bench. Um, today I did a lifting workout where they do isometric holds, which is similar to what you're going to experience in the car because you're not just turning the wheel and returning to straight. You're turning and holding and holding and holding and holding and holding. And some turns, like at Barber Motorsports Park, like we're going to, they can be 10, 11, 12 seconds long of holding the wheel at a certain angle. So that's muscular endurance that's required to, to hold the wheel at that. And so what we'll do is, say it's a bench workout. We'll do uh, a minute long, as many reps as possible, go all the way down and then hold halfway for five seconds. Then finish the rep, go back down, hold halfway, five seconds. So you do that just constantly repeating, again, blowing up the muscles, starving them, so that when you get in the car, they're like, oh, oxygen, blood flow, this is amazing. <laughs> you see, Scott, I think we, we should film a video at PitFit called Scott Bowie Works Out of PitFit. No. <laughs> no. I like this. The, the car walk, the walk from the car to inside yeah, that be as much it. as a video you'd get. <laughs> I'd be passed out. No, work, work, working out is nothing anybody wants to see me do. So, <laughs> you, you know, um, some we're gonna change directions here just a little bit, and because we're kind of we're kind of getting to the, uh, toward the end of the show, there's something I want to give you a chance to talk about. And I, I, I think we, you know, we talked about it in uh, first time we talked to you on the show, uh, but there's two things that are really evident. Three things really. You got a great personality. Um, you're a family person and your man of faith. And could you kind of talk about those things um, and how they relate to, you know, not only your life, but and how you, you know, go through racing and, you know, do that type of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think all three of those things are tied together. Yeah. Very much so. So I, I've said all along the way that racing is not where my identity is found. Jesus Christ is where I find my identity. And part of that is that, you know, we can't rely on results to, to tell us who we are. And as a driver, it's really easy to fall into that trap. And I fell into it back in 2020. It was my uh, fourth year in the Indy Pro 2000 Series at that time. And it was a make it or break it season for me. And um, I'm telling you guys this story just as a, an example of sure. where my faith came into play and how it's affected my life. But um, we went to the first race after COVID hit. This was after that two weeks turned into four months sort of a situation. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. And so we went to Road America for our first race. Went out on track for qualifying, and we had a fuel pump issue, so didn't get to qualify. It's like, oh, all right. Well, it's a great way to start the season. Started back in the field. We're working our way back up. Um, so started last, finished fifth. Now, that was a doubleheader weekend, so we actually had to start where we finished the previous race. So I started fifth for the next race, finished second. So I had a fifth and a second my first two races of the year after starting dead last. Pretty good. Now, going into the next race, which was mid-Ohio, uh, qualified – I can't even remember, top four probably, um, somewhere where I could fight for a win. And we had a good enough car that I was like, okay, I'll move forward from there. I know how to make moves around mid-Ohio. I've been here plenty of times. 
and I finished 10th for no other reason that I forgot how to drive. I <laughs> drove off the racetrack, I spun out, and I hit another driver all in the same race. And I got off the racetrack after that, and I looked at my driver coach, who was Victor Franzoni, if anyone know that name. Um, and he didn't have anything to say to me. And Victor's a pretty talkative guy. So he just shrugged his shoulders and walked past me. He was like, all right, all right, I get it. I understand. So I put my helmet in my cubby, and this was a, a, a catalyst moment for me. I actually went out for a walk there in mid-Ohio in the trees and ended up taking a knee. I was like, all right, God, I've given everything that I know how to give for as long as I can remember. And I'm either not good enough, I make too many mistakes, someone runs into the back of me, parts fall off the car. We just can't get it right. Like, I, I give up. I give it to you. And I can't do this anymore. And at that moment, I had a, a Bible verse come to mind, and that was James 1. And it says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then in that moment, I realized, like, okay, <laughs> I get it. All these moments, all these trials, all these stupid situations that I'm sick and tired of have been something good. They've been used for something more than what I can dream of. And I think God put those situations in front of me because it taught me more than it would have been had I won every race, had I been super successful. And that's not to say that that wouldn't have also been great. But <laughs> I think that It'd be God, nice if you kicked a few of those in there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it goes back to there, there's a proverb that says um, – Man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so it, it creates a dependence. And that dependence is what relationship is built upon. You know, it's not um, I'm solely dependent. It's, it's I'm relying on you and I'm trusting in you no matter what because I know that what you have is greater. And I think that through my career, I've seen that time and time again where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start fifth. I'm going to pass this guy. And we did this. And we're going to do that to the cart. And the motor's great. And we're going to go to the front. And then I'll flip and hyperextend my leg and blow up a motor. It's like, huh, okay. Well, that's not really what we talked about, God. Um, and at every step, I think that I've grown deeper into my faith because of what I've seen, the miracles that I've seen, and also the support system I've had. You know, my, my family is a big part of my career. And I, I've, I've said this, you know, I finished second in the championship last year in Indy Lights. And the guy that won is not an IndyCar. And that is not a testament to who he is or who I am, but who the people around us are. Mm -hmm. It takes a village to get to IndyCar. And that comes down to my mom. She's my momager, I like to call her. Um, my mom and my manager. And then my actual manager, who is Peter Rossi, Alexander Rossi's father. My dad, who's been my mechanic all the way through day one, go-karting. And then is now my chauffeur and... Uh, I don't know, biggest cheerleader maybe and biggest critic all at the same time. Well, he's a videographer yeah. right yeah. now. Um, yeah, and then my grandparents as well. I mean, my, my dad has missed one race in my entire career, and it's because he was laying on a hospital bed trying not to die. And he was still on the phone every 30 minutes to us. We couldn't get rid of the guy. He was telling us what tire pressure to set, what engine temperature to run, what width to run on the rear axle. I mean, we, we couldn't get rid of him, even when he was dying. <laughs> so I, I think that, um, yeah, like they've been a huge part of my life and they've encouraged me and conditioned me to, uh, to have a little grace for myself and to be faithful through it all. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, so many things in life are so hard, you know, for many different reasons and, 
I contend that auto racing, I mean, outside, I'm sure, not that I have kids, but in the division of, of non-children racing, uh, auto racing is going to be one of the toughest things anybody could do. It, it, it tests you every day. Yeah. It you tests have, you many times a day. It you have the your, highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, it can, it can really just destroy you, I mean, if you're, if you're not careful. And uh, I think you have to have something that is your North Star, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that there's been other drivers that I've driven with, teammates, that have challenged me in my faith, um, not towards it, but away from it, right? Right, sure. And I think part of that is because they don't see the value in it. They think that it's just a a brainwashed faith that I've believed since day one, and that's not the case. It's something that's earned over time. at least the the faith side is, you know. Well, I, I mean, let's I've, be honest. It's it's scary to to put your faith in something that you can't. Absolutely. It's hard to touch. Absolutely. So, but I know. I found security in it. Right, I found sure. peace in it because my identity is not tied to the results. Therefore, I can perform at a higher level without the pressure. Right. And that's not to say that I don't want to win, and that I don't feel called to win. We're called to be excellent. It's it's not because of our faith, but it's in light of our faith that we're called to be excellent. Right. So, and that's at anything. And I think that I can enjoy my, my work so much more because of it as well. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I can totally see that. So, you know, kind of talking about that, obviously, like we said before. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You know, just, just to say, you know, we live in a world today where um, whether you believe or don't believe, people don't necessarily like people having opposing thoughts and opinions. I think it's great that everybody, I, you know, obviously we don't know each other's face, but uh, I think it's great that you guys respect that out of you. Yeah, thank you. I think it's very brave to sit here and talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. So, you know, as we said in the beginning, you're getting ready to approach May, which is the biggest race in the world. Um, Kind of how how are you approaching the month going? I mean, obviously we got Barber, and then we got the um, road course road, road course race at the Speedway, and then May. Um, I mean, how how are you mentally going into the month? Well, I can tell you now, my my focus is on the next two races because those are the two that I I think that I can learn the most at because sure. I've been to those tracks before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a ballpark idea of what it looks like to race around there. And that's not to say I hadn't raced at St. Pete, but St. Pete was my first time in an Indy car at a racetrack. And uh, now I'm getting to experience, you know, my let's see fourth time in an IndyCar at a race on a track that I I, I know and have been to. So um, going into the month of May, though, I'm beyond excited. I mean, like I said, I'm still pinching myself. I got to run the IMS Oval this last week, and uh, you know, New Garden drives by me, and then Dixon drives by me, and then I'm like, huh, okay, this is kind of cool. Even though I'm slow, <laughs> this is really fun. <laughs> So, um, yeah, there's a lot to learn. And the thing about the 500 is that you, you got to sneak up on it almost. You don't want to yeah. scare it away. <laughs> um, and I'm learning that from Dale a lot and a lot of a lot from my engineers because they've had experienced drivers coming through there recently, you know, with uh, Sato being there last season. They got a lot of good information from them that mm-hmm. I think I can learn from, not just on setup-wise, but on how to approach the month. Um because, you know, my, my spotter and I, we've actually known each other for the last four years. And uh, he was also spot, Sato's spotter last year. And so we've got to see the dynamic of those two and what, what Takuma was looking for in the car versus what I might be looking for. Um, and, you know, my lack of patience 
in the car, I think, comes out on the oval, especially because if I feel understeer, I say take a big swing out of it and give me oversteer. And you don't want that on the oval. <laughs> right? um, and so I, I think that creeping up on it is probably going to be the hardest thing that I can do because I'm going to want to be fast right away, but that's not the way it works in this place. You know, you got 34 cars with some of the best drivers in the world and some of the best teams in the world competing. I can't expect to show up and be P1 on day one. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, day two would be all right. Day two would be all right. <laughs> Hopefully just the last day. The last right. day is all that matters, right. right? It doesn't matter until then. just the last lap. Yeah, last lap. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my goal is I want to be learning as much as I can through the whole, whole month, sneaking up on it. You know, I don't want to be doing this two steps, two steps forward, three steps back. I want to be constantly moving forward, whether it's baby steps or big steps. That's what I want to do. Right. I think I think some of it's going to become interesting to you is as you go through this those drives under that tunnel when you pop up on the other side they're going to you would think it becomes mundane and, and what you'll find out is every time you pop up on the other side of that tunnel it's going to mean something more to you every time. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that already. Absolutely, there's just like a different energy right when you go on the other side of the tunnel. It's just completely different energy. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so, um, you know, tell a little bit about the differences between – well, actually, first, I was going to mention, so we're talking about David, your teammate, David Malukas, and we're talking about just the talent level in IndyCar. And they just released a video, I think it was – I think it may have been Delcoin Racy where he was talking about – I forget what track it was. It may have been like Barber last year. He was talking about being behind willpower, and yeah. he was saving fuel. You know what I'm talking about. I know he was exactly saving fuel, about, yeah. and David wasn't. And Will was just as fast, if not faster, and he realized, like – when he was saving fuel, he was taking a completely different line. And that's just like, just someone like me, it just blows your mind. I mean, it blows my mind too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, experience is the great teacher, I think, in a lot of things, especially in racing, because there's so many nuanced situations that happen on the racetrack that as a young driver, again, you don't know what you don't know. Ignorance right. is bliss. You think you're doing the right thing until someone else does it better than you. Um, and so I think for that situation with David, he, he had his eyes open to it, and therefore I had my eyes open to it because I knew it was something that he saw. So those are situations that are going to happen all year, I think, for me, is that I want to recognize things that David recognized last year. Um, and so St. Pete was actually a great situation for me, having crashed at the beginning of the race because I had to save fuel in order to make it a lap back up. Right. I, I had to pit after the leaders. So I had to save fuel better than the best fuel savers. Um, and so I, I had to, to learn quickly on how to save fuel with different lines, different breakpoints, different sort of situations where um, otherwise I might not have got that opportunity had I been racing wheel-to-wheel -wheel like David had. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that because he had the opportunity to fall back and fall behind Will, he was able to see, oh, that's what that does. So, sure. um, yeah, it's all part of the fun. As we wind down here, do you have any uh, events coming up, anything that you're you're doing – I have a race next weekend. Yeah, no. Yeah. Besides that, <laughs> the uh, I meant more as, as we get into the month of May. And or do you have any signings anywhere or anything that you know of yet? Or um, no? no signings anywhere as of yet. I heard I have a street sign going up on Capitol oh, yeah. in Maryland. So That's right. pretty excited go. about that. Are you going to put it up? I don't think I'm going to put, put it up. up. Really? I think that we're out of town when they're putting oh. it up or something. So yeah, bummer. Oh well, I'll go take a picture with it though. I'll be oh, there. Absolutely. It's at Capitol in Maryland, if anyone wants to go check it out. So Nice. Right there by the convention center, I think. Um, 
but yeah, I'm sure the events will pick up as the, right, the month sure. of May continues. My momager is my calendar gatekeeper at the moment, so uh, she'll tell me the day or two before probably I'm supposed to be somewhere. I just go where I'm told, so it's less of a distraction that way, and I just uh, fly by the seat of my pants, I guess. There you go. I will be in the parade. That's true. Yeah. I got to watch it last year. Now I'll be in it. So that'll be fun. The um, I want to give people a chance if anyone has a question for Stingray. Anyone have a question? No? Does, does anyone know if my name's real or not? Okay. You do know it's my real name. Okay. Very good. All right. I won't tell that story see, then. Well, I like it. That's a good group. See, oh, not everyone? Well, do you want me to tell it? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So the boring side of the story is that Sting is actually short for Sterling because my dad's side of the family's heritage is from Stirlingshire, Scotland. So there's that side. And then we have the Ray side, which is actually from my grandfather's. So I had a grandfather named Ray, and then I had another grandfather named Philip Ray. And so we took that, combined it together. And then the less boring side, the more exciting side, and the part of the reason why I'm a race car driver today is the Corvette side of the story. My parents were big Corvette fans. My dad actually has a 1966 C2 Stingray Corvette in the garage at home. Um, and what, what's it called? What, it's not correctly modified. What's the... NCRS? Yeah, the NCRS, the National Corvette Restoration... Restorer Society. Restorer Yeah, now it's not correctly restored Stingray. Yeah, there you go. So it's... Yeah, it's not what you heard? Well, there's the story. Oh. That, is that true? I haven't heard that story. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. Well, I not unrelated from Sting the Singer. So Stingray the race car. There you go. We, um, you know, we, we do have some giveaways courtesy of um, Top Gun Racing and Grand King Race Shops. So let me see here. We have some hats and some towels, but let's let's do some Stingray trivia. <laughs> let's see here. Oh, those are pretty cool. Yeah, you can take one. Get plenty. You can have one. You want one? You can get one of those. All right. So I think this is the coolest one. Grand King Ray Shops hat. Got Grant on the side of it. Yeah. So let's see here. I don't want to make it an easy question. Here, you you want to add? You, Ask questions. Let's well, make a Stingray trivia. I know too much about me. I don't know what's unknown. <laughs> it's my nickname, Schwinn. No, nickname. I do have plenty of nicknames, though. Let me tell you. Um, does anyone know where my first win was in the Road to Indy? Other than my dad. I'm sure my dad knows this. <laughs> my first win in the Road to Indy. Is that too tough of a question? Someone's getting their phone out. It's a no, race. Can't do that. It's a race. <laughs> oh, okay. This is a, a phone a friend moment. I don't think there's any phone to friends allowed. Oh, the like daughter is a huge fan, but <laughs> do we want to try another question? Yeah. Okay. Let me. Okay. What? Um. Name two teams Stingray drove for in the Road to Indy. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Hunkos and Andretti was was his answer there, which is true. There's two more. There's two more. Does anyone know the other two? 
three more. My dad says three more. What, what's, oh. the, what's the third one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that so was already said. Yeah, so Hunkos and Andretti were the two said. that he said. Cape was not one. No. The, so both these teams are no longer around. I'll, my, I'll add to that. I'd be very impressed if anyone got these. Pelfrey was one. Oh, wow. There was one more. They, they ran back in 2006 they won the championship in Pro Mazda. I'm pretty sure. With a driver by the name of Ace. <laughs> more? They're based on the West Coast, California. Anyone? No one? Do I get a hat if I, if I guess yeah, it right? you can have a hat. <laughs> okay, it was World Speed Motorsports was the other team. So that was my, my first year in the road to Indy. All right. Um, what action sports athlete um, basically got you involved into, um, yeah, that, that's, a big, that's a big hint. This is a big hint here. I'd be surprised if anyone got this, actually. So when you were, how old were you when you saw the video? I was probably four years old when I saw the video. He saw a video of a certain action sports athlete jump a go-kart. You've already answered. <laughs> <laughs> you know his last name? Jump. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, do you want the hat? It's got a Nitro Circus on. Man, nice route. So the deal was I started, I started go-karting. Did we lose the mic? Did we? Shouldn't. It was me. Are these things automatic? Come back. That's weird. Well, I'll just... Oh, 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 there we go. <laughs> so the, the story goes that when I was four years old, I watched a YouTube video, which I don't know why my mom let me see this video, because that seems like a bad idea for a four-year-old boy, but I watched a video. It was a Nitro Circus video of Travis Pastrana jumping a go-kart into a foam pit. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And so... I didn't tell my mom that that's what I was going to do, but I asked for a go-kart for my fifth birthday. Sure enough, it showed up. We didn't get the foam pit, however, but we started racing. So that was the, the kickoff for my racing career. Anybody with a set of Firestone tires on their car? Besides the guys who get them for free. Give her the Firestone hat. They're really good tires, though. Oh, there's back there in the back they have Firestone? Nice. Who's got Firestone? Waity back there in the back. Is this part of the Pit Pit video? You walk into the back table? <laughs> this is. Do they have oxygen there in Pit Pit? Do they have auctions in Pit Pit? No, o no ox like oh, oxygen. Oh, oxygen. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. <laughs> we can drag you out to the car when we're done. Well, the rest of the stuff we can just kind of people can just come up and get something. But um, so we need to come up with a good question that people are going to get for this one because this this is a nice hat. I wouldn't actually mind having this hat, but okay, I have a question. Um, where where did I get my first win in indie lights? It was last season. Laguna. That's right. He guessed it. Right on. That was good. Scott's going to deliver this one as well. We're, we're getting ready. We're getting ready for Pit Fit. <laughs> it's just a warm-up. 
yeah. All right, we'll we'll give away one more hat, and then um, the rest of the stuff. People, we have we have some of these people can come up and get one if you want one. There's some Firestone cups. So, all right. Um, I'm trying to think of a good one here. Should we go with an Indy car stat? Yeah, let's go with Indy car. Well, I don't know any of those. <laughs> let's see. What's a good one? Oh, this might oh. be a Google question. Yeah, we're, we're going to Google. This has to be a good one. <laughs> All right. This is for the IMS uh, super fans, I guess. But how long are the short shoots in between one and two and three and four? Is it quarter of a mile? <laughs> you just Google it. <laughs> I don't think it is. What? Oh, it's not five eighths. You would think the bus driver would know. It's one eighth. One eighth. It's one eighth. Oh yeah, he's a tour guy. He drives a bus around the hey, track. Let's give an applause for this guy. There you go. The, the straightaways are 5 eighths. Now, so there now you go. You, got, you need to take a tour on his bus at Speedway. Maybe I have. Maybe I did. Maybe how, long, how long have you been driving the bus around there? How long have you been driving the bus around there? Five years. Five years? Okay, I probably haven't then. <laughs> All right. All right, we you guys need to get together. We can do it. Make it happen. There we go. Oh, very cool. Did you really? <laughs> You're like, do you want to drive? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rick Mears, 88 miles an hour. That's a fast bus. <laughs> there we go. Um, so the question is, what was the first IndyCar driver that I really got to know slash idolize as a young driver? And that's an interesting question because I don't think I ever really had an idol in motorsports. Um, <laughs> There were drivers I looked up to in the category right above me a lot of times in go-karting. Like uh, when I was in Minimax, which is the cadet category in go-karts, um, there was a driver by the name of Parker Thompson that was winning championships at category ahead of me. I was like, oh, I want to be like him. And uh, same thing with Kyle Kirkwood. He was a driver that was always a category ahead of me. And I was like, oh, I want to be like Kyle. Um, but pretty soon I started to look a little bit further up the road, it seemed like. Not to make a, a pun there, pun intended or something. Um but I think that the standards that we all look to were the Will Powers, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden. Um, and then it's funny, I actually, I grew up wanting to be an F1 driver before I wanted to be an IndyCar driver. And part of that was because of the influence um, from the Ayrton Senna documentary, if any of you have seen that. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at Ayrton Senna a lot. I was very, very intrigued by his career and his ability and his talent and also uh, his faith. You know, I, I think his faith was a big part of that documentary as well. So it was interesting to see all of that tied together. But, um, yeah, so Senna was probably the first driver that I really looked up to and said, like, wow, if I could be like anyone, that's who I'd want to be like. All right, well, um, yeah, the rest of the stuff, if anyone wants a towel, you can come up afterwards and grab a towel or a cup. 
But um, yeah, I don't. Do you have anything else, Scott? No, I just want to thank everybody for coming out. Yeah, thank you. Thank Whether you, you came out for us or not, if you stayed, <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I mean, thank you, Stingray. I know we've. The, the good news for you is we've you've done our regular podcast, you've done this show now, you've done the go-kart video, so there's really nothing else for us to ask you to do, so you're in the clear for a while. But, um, no, we, we appreciate you always, yeah. um, especially with Fast Times. So when we did Fast Times the first time, we had our helmets on, we were ready to go, and then there was an issue with the track, and we had to leave, and it, it, it was sad. crazy. Yeah, it really was, but you came back. Like the good sport you are, like two, I think it was two, um, two weeks later after yeah. St. Pete. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, it meant a lot. And, um, I think I'm going to release that video the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I personally think the future of this sport is bright with yeah. people like Stingray. Yeah. Thank you. Um, like Aaron and I were talking before, like after we first really spoke with him, this is a guy who gets it. He understands, um, just how to be a, a good person, you know, I mean, just, and how to interact with people and, uh, I, you know, it's always enjoyable. You know, I really always enjoy talking to you, and, and uh, man, I just wish you the best of luck. I'll, I too will be in Barber, but I'm sure I'll be in the other pits, and we'll never see. Well, each remember other. St. Pete, you were on the other side of the bridge. Yeah. I think it was. He's yeah. always on the cool, cool kids side. I'm never on That's the cool new. kids. And side. we all know Scott's not going to walk across the bridge. Yeah, no way <laughs> is that going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, no, th thank you, and thanks everyone for coming. Yeah, thank you everyone. Thanks everybody.